Well, we're glad to have you here. Have you had a good week? How many have had a good week? How many of you had jury duty this week? How many of you have ever been called for jury duty? How many of you have been called more than once? They say it's random. But I got called every year for about six years in a row. That doesn't seem random to me. <clears throat> and I never get to sit on the jury. They always bounce me out in the questions. I think when they realize I'm a Baptist pastor, they don't want me there. <laughs> However, one time I did get the judge to laugh. He said, is that what you try to do? Well, not really, but it just happened. You know, they ask questions. Sometimes the attorneys ask questions. Sometimes the judge asks questions. And I was down a ways in the count, and they were throwing people out. But, but they were going through the same series of questions. And, you know, so I knew which one I was going to get. So I had time to prepare. When it got to me, they said, Mr. McNeil, they didn't know I was a preacher yet, Mr. McNeil, if you get selected to sit on this jury, do you think you can follow the directions of the court? And I said, yes, sir. I've been married almost 40 years. I know how to take orders. <laughs> and the judge laughed. Then they threw me out. <laughs> it's, it's all about knowing how to take orders. It is. See, how many of us in this room, raise your hand if this is true, how many of us are committed to following Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Yep. It's about taking orders. It's about following Jesus Christ down that narrow path. And it matters in life who you follow. But we're following the right person. We've been singing about him this morning. We're following Jesus Christ. And he's exactly the right person. Now, you remember, because we've been talking about this for three or four weeks now, <clears throat> that Christianity begins, our spiritual lives begin with a two-part decision, and it's like going through a gate. You have to have a two-part decision. Number one is we have to put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. We have to understand we have a sin and self problem, and we have to ask Jesus Christ. We have to ask God to forgive us because Jesus Christ came to solve our problem by dying on the cross in our place. That's part one. Part two is we have to make a commitment to follow Jesus Christ down the narrow road. This is how you go through the gate to salvation. But salvation is not only a gate, it's also a path. And Jesus said this very clearly. He said, you have to go through the narrow gate, and then you have to walk the narrow path. And here's the thing. The narrow path is following Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives, doing what he commands. And we have to follow that path all the way to the end. If you don't go down the narrow path all the way to the end of the narrow path, you do not end up in heaven. Our destinies are determined by our following Jesus Christ down the narrow path. You have to go through the gate and down the narrow path if you're going to get to life. That's what Matthew chapter 7 teaches. 
So we've been talking about lordship now for the last three weeks, and today's the final part in this series. And I think some of you might have a concern by now. So if you have your notes, back of the bulletin, I want to I ask, ask and answer four questions today, and I want to start with a concern I think some of us might have. And that concern is, what does God expect? When we're talking about following Jesus Christ as Lord, what does God expect? How closely do we have to follow? That's a valid question. Now I want to get at it by going to 1 John. So grab your Bibles and go to 1 John chapter 2. I want you to go there with me. Now, we know that 1 John is a book that's written so that we might know that we have eternal life. He says, these things have I written, 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written that you might know that you have eternal life. So he tells us in this book how you know. And I want to show you one particular place in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3. We know that we have come to know him. He says, here's how you know. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. It's about following Jesus Christ as Lord. We know that we have come to obey him if we keep his commands. The person who says, I know him, but does not do what Jesus Christ commands is a liar. We are either deceived or we're deceiving ourselves. If we think that we are following Jesus Christ as Lord and we are not doing what he commands. So that, that, of course, leads us to a question. I think it's a concern that some of us have. How perfectly do I have to obey? Do I have to obey perfectly? And so I put this right into your notes. God is not expecting perfection. I say, how do you know that? How do you know God isn't expecting perfection? Because verses always have a context. Okay, I just popped these two verses out. But let's start reading in chapter 1. Let's start reading in chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth isn't in us. There isn't anybody who doesn't sin. We all sin. We all stumble. When, when he expects us to follow Jesus Christ on the narrow road and he expects us to obey, obey his commands, he is not expecting perfection. How do we know? He says it right here. In fact, he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. He's not writing this saying, hey, we sinned to give us an excuse to sin. He's writing it because it's reality. He says, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if we do sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Jesus Christ is not expecting perfection, but... Let's fill in the rest of the line. But he is expecting a persistent pattern of obedience. 
He is expecting a persistent pattern of obedience. Yes, we stumble. Yes, we trip up. Yes, we sin occasionally, but we do not stop. We do not get off the road. We do not quit following Jesus. We follow him down the narrow road all the way to the end. We try day after day to do those things that God expects of us to do. We are persistent, a persistent pattern, a habit. And so I ask everyone in this room, where you raised your hand and said that you're following Jesus Christ down the narrow road, do you have a habit every day? Day after day, is it the habit of your life to do what Jesus Christ tells you in his word? Is that the habit of your life? Because if it's not the habit of your life, you're not following Jesus Christ down the narrow road. This is what the narrow road is. It is a life of following the commands of Jesus Christ. This is so important that the writer comes back to it. He comes back to it in 1 John 3. Still got your Bibles open? In 1 John 3, verse 7, he says, Dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. No one. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. No one will blatantly continue as a pattern of unrepentant sin. No one does that who's born again. No one. Because God's seed remains in him, he cannot go on sinning. Yes, we sin occasionally. Yes, we do. But we do not have patterns of sin. We have patterns of obedience. That's the difference. He is not expecting perfection, but he is expecting a pattern, a habit of obedience. This is how, verse 10, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. He's being very, very clear here, very, very straightforward, very, very bold. He said, listen, this is how you can tell who is following Jesus and who's not. The people who are following Jesus they have a habit of obeying him day after day after day after day after day. And so I ask everyone in this room, every child, every teen, every adult, can you say honestly it is the habit of your life to follow the commands of Jesus Christ, that that's what you're attempting to do every day, and in fact you are doing it and you're continuing to do it day after day after day because that's what God expects. Now, If that's true in our life, then there must be a certain commitment. That's number two. This requires a commitment. What's the driving desire of our lives? I ask this again to every person in this room. What's the driving desire of your life? What's the passion? What moves your life every day? Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting the stuff that's behind, I press down the narrow road for the prize. I press toward the mark. This is my driving desire. So I ask, can you say that you're trying to please Jesus every day? Can you you say that honestly? 
Nobody can answer this for you. Your parents can't answer this. Your spouse can't answer this. Can we say that we're trying to please Jesus every day? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, we make it our goal to please him. He said we make it our goal to please him. Is this your goal? Is it mine? When you got up this morning, did you decide, today I'm going to please Jesus Christ? Now, Pastor Steve just taught us this. He taught us what Jesus Christ's love language is. Do you remember? Jesus Christ's love language is obedience. That's Jesus Christ's love language. If we're trying to please Jesus Christ, then we're obeying him because that is the love language of Jesus Christ. We will never have an everyday, all-day pattern of following Jesus Christ and doing what it says without a driving desire to please Him. These two, they go together. Now, if we have this, it's going it's to produce some conflict in our lives, which is number three. My third question for this morning, are we struggling against our selfish and sinful desires every day? You say, well, once, once we make this decision, it's just smooth sailing. There's no struggle anymore. Oh, no, there's struggle every day. There's struggle every day. Jesus Christ said in Luke 9, 23, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to follow me, they must deny themselves, not deny stuff to ourselves. I'm not going to watch TV. I'm not going to ice cream. No, it's not that. We must say no to ourselves. Why? Because we're selfish people. I want to do what I want. And sometimes what I want is not exactly what God wants. Anybody ever that happen in your life? He says we must deny ourselves, and then he says we must take up our cross. You say, well, I have this heavy cross to bear. I have this bad relationship. I have this sickness. That is not what he's talking about. When he says we need to take up our cross, he means we have to kill ourselves. We have to put self to death. And how often do we have to do it? What's the word? Daily. daily. Everybody say daily. daily. There's going to be a conflict in your life. It's going to happen every day. If you're following Jesus Christ down the narrow road and you're attempting as a habit of your life to obey the commands of Jesus Christ, then there is going to be conflict. So if you're sitting here and you're not having conflict between what you want and God wants, you're not on the narrow road. I want to say it again. If you're sitting here and you have no conflict, you're not on the narrow road. So how can you say that so boldly? Well, because it's in the text. Galatians chapter 5 says, the flesh, that's our inside, our inner self, the flesh desires what is contrary to God's spirit, and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they are in, what's the word? Conflict. So I'm asking you, are you struggling? Are you, you, struggling against this inner pull the wrong way to do what God says. Are you struggling? You should have sensed the struggle this week. I'm not kidding you. I sensed the struggle. I sensed it this week. I'm telling you truthfully, I did. 
there's a part of me that does not always want to do the right thing. Do you ever have this? You say, I never have this. How can that be? He said there is conflict because we have an inner self that is determined to do what we want instead of what God wants. There is a conflict and we have to keep fighting against what we want and say yes to what Jesus Christ wants. I have to deny myself. I have to say no to myself. I have to kill myself so that I can do what Jesus Christ commands me to do. This is the life we've signed up for. Everyone who's going down the narrow road has conflict. You say, well, Pastor McNeil, I'm so far down that road, I have destroyed that part of me that wants to do bad. Baloney. That's a biblical term. Baloney. That is not happening. There is a conflict. I say again, the inner man, the inner flesh, desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. Yes, they are. If you're on the narrow road, you ought to sense this conflict. You ought to be saying no to self and deliberately, consciously, overtly, openly saying yes to Jesus Christ. That's what it means to follow him down the narrow road. So, all of that was review. To get us to point number four, we've been checking. We've just been checking our lives because God tells us to do it. We've been checking are the commands and principles of God's word the deciding factor in our lifestyle. Who's getting the last word in your life? Who's getting the last word in my life? Who's getting the last word in our lives? Are the commands and principles of God's word the deciding factor? Are they? Are they the deciding factor in our lifestyle choices? Hebrews chapter 5 says, But solid food, that means God's word. God's word is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. This is how we decide what to do. This is how we decide what God wants. This is how we decide what Jesus Christ says. We care. We care about what he says in his word, and we match our lives to what he says. So his word is supposed to be controlling our lives. Here we go, let's check. Just do a little check this morning. Number one, are we listening to the commands to control our thoughts? Are we? Are we listening to the commands to control our thoughts? Well, at least I didn't say it. I might have thought it, but at least I didn't say it. That's not good enough. Why? Philippians 4 says, Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's a command. It's a command that we have to control our thoughts. You say, well, I can't control my thoughts. I just have random thoughts. Really? You have random thoughts? Like you're walking and there are thoughts going through the air? And as you're walking, one just, a random thought from the air just pops into your head? Thoughts don't run in the air. Do you know where thoughts come from? This is not a trick question. Do you know where thoughts come from? 
They come from our our minds and our hearts. They are not random. We think them. We choose to think them. And we are supposed to control them because Jesus Christ commands it. Think about such things. That's a command. It's a command. We, we have to choose this. So on the side of your paper someplace, write an acrostic, T-H-I-N-K, think. Write it in, quick. Here we go. You just check your thoughts. Are they true? Are they helpful? Are they inspiring? T-H-I-N-K. Just write it down. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? If this thought isn't true, we have to throw it out. Throw that thought out. If it's not helpful, throw it out. If it's not inspiring, if it's not necessary, if it's not kind, throw it out. You say, that's not the word he uses. He says noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. I know, but I couldn't think of an acrostic for that. (laughs) Come on. Are we listening to God's command to control our thoughts, or have we decided you can't control them? So we're just letting our mind think whatever it chooses to. We're just letting our mind run. Number two, there's commands to control our mouths. I used this verse last week, Ephesians chapter 4, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up. This is a command. Everybody here who's following Jesus Christ, we have to follow this command. We have to choose to say things that encourage, not discourage. Things that are positive, not critical. Things that are constructive, not destructive. Things that are where we believe the best, not judgmental kind of thoughts and words. We can use the same acrostic. We can use T-H-I-N-K. Is this a truthful word? A helpful word? I've heard people do this. They say, well, of course I can say that it's true, but was it necessary? Every true thing does not need to be said. Do you agree with me? Every true thing is not a kind thing. Do you agree? If we're following Jesus Christ down the narrow path, we have to control our mouths because he tells us to. Number three, he commands us to control our attitudes. We know this. Life's 10% what happens and 90% how we react, what our attitude is. It's not life that's making us like this. It's our attitudes. We choose them. Which is why Jesus said in Philippians 2, in your relationship with one another, have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Paul wrote this. Have the same attitude as Christ Jesus who took the very nature of a servant And he humbled himself. Those are attitudes. A servant's attitude, a humble attitude. Selfless, sacrificial, humble. We choose our attitudes. We choose to be positive or negative. We choose. We choose to be optimistic or pessimistic. We choose. We choose to be trusting or distrusting. We choose to be enthusiastic. Or we choose to be a downer. We choose to be friendly or grouchy. That's why Paul added in Philippians 2, do everything without complaining. That's an attitude. Complaining is an attitude, and so is thanksgiving. We choose to be thoughtful or thoughtless, responsible or irresponsible, selfless or selfish. We choose. 
Because attitudes are chosen. Turn to the person next to you and say, attitudes are chosen. We weren't born with them. We weren't born with them. It wasn't the day that gave us a bad attitude. We chose our attitude, whether to be cooperative or uncooperative, disciplined or undisciplined, sympathetic or harsh. We choose our attitudes. And God says, make your attitudes like Jesus Christ. It's a command. Number four, we're commanded to control our emotions. Oh, come on. Pastor Menea, you can't control your emotions. It's interesting. Paul wrote in Philippians 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I'll say rejoice. That's a command. He says you choose joy. You choose it. He goes on in Ephesians 4, 26, he says, In your anger, don't sin. If we can't control the feeling of the emotion, we can certainly control the action that accompanies the feeling. We can certainly do that. And he tells us we need to. And if we needed more to work on, number five, there are commands to control our motives. Everybody in this room who's been following Jesus Christ down the narrow road for more than 20 years, put your hand up. Okay, this is for you. When people first get saved and they first follow Jesus Christ down the narrow road, they don't think too much about motives. But if you've been saved for 20 years or more, you should be thinking about motives. Because motives matter. It not only matters what we do, it matters why we do it. The motive. So God's word says in 1 Corinthians 4, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He'll bring to light what is hidden in darkness, and he's going to expose the motives of men's heart. If you've been saved for 20 years and Christianity's begun to be easy, check your motives. Work on that this week. Try to make your motives line up with what Jesus Christ says. We never do anything to get glory for ourselves. It's always about glory to God. We ought to check that one when we're posting online. Posts are intended to bring glory to God. It's all about motive. Number six. I switch my word here and I, I go to principles and I say... There are principles in God's Word to guide our choices. We have to pay attention to these too. You say, wait a second. On the narrow road, I have to listen to all the commands. Yep. If we say we follow Him and we don't do what He commands, we're just kidding ourselves, He says. You're just kidding yourself. But we also have to listen to the principles in God's Word. And here's why. Because there aren't commands to cover every circumstance, but there are principles to cover them. There aren't commands in the Bible to cover every circumstance of life, but there are principles to cover them, and we have to pay attention to the principles too. Say principles. Yeah. Let's suppose that you and I could sit down and have a conversation with Jesus Christ. Let's just suppose it. Let's suppose you could sit down, you yourself, alone, could sit down across from a table and have a conversation with Jesus Christ where he would give you advice for life. He wouldn't tell you exactly what you had to do. That would be a command. But you'd just be talking to him about your life and Jesus Christ would give you advice. 
would you take it? Would you? You say, well, of course I would. Are you sure? Because this book is filled with advice from Jesus Christ. It's filled with it. It's all the way through it. One book in particular is just loaded with it, and that's the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs isn't filled with commands, it's, conf- it's filled with principles, just advice for living. You say, God doesn't say that's a sin. It's not about that with Jesus Christ all the time. Sometimes he's just giving us advice. This is a better way to live life than this way. The question is, if we were really committed to following Jesus Christ down the narrow road and we sat with Jesus Christ for a conversation and he gave us advice, would we take it? say, well, I think so. How about all the people in the room right now and you're not married? How about I talk to everybody in the room who say 12 and older who's not married? Let's suppose you could sit down with Jesus Christ and he would give you advice on who to marry and who not to marry. Would you take it? You say, I I don't know. It all depends on who I fall in love with. If you could sit down with Jesus Christ and he would give you advice on who to marry, would you take his advice? Say, I think I would. Okay, here we go. Because Jesus' advice is this. Make sure you marry somebody who's actually committed to Jesus Christ because he doesn't want you trying to follow him down the narrow road when you're hooked up to somebody who's not trying. That's his advice. But he also says this. He says, don't marry an angry person. This is really good advice. You should take this from Jesus Christ. Jesus says, don't marry an angry person. And there's plenty of people sitting in this room right now, and they could tell you they made a mistake because they married one. And I see people nodding in the room right now. Jesus says that. He also says, don't marry a drinking person. He says that. He also says, don't marry a lazy person. And I want to tell you, the worst nightmare in your life is you marry a lazy person. I married the hardest working lady I know. I'm telling you the truth. I was young. I was only 18 years old. I actually asked her to marry me when I was 17, and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I didn't. I just lucked out. I wasn't looking for a hardworking person. I just lucked out and got a hardworking person. But I should have been listening to Jesus because he says, don't marry a lazy person. They're going to drive you crazy. You say, he doesn't say that. Read the book of Proverbs. This is in there. I'm not making this up. He says, don't marry a person who has no self-control. They can't control themselves. He says, don't marry a person who's unkind to animals. That's good advice. Don't marry somebody who kicks the dog. They kick a cat, that's okay, but don't marry somebody (laughs) who kicks a dog. That's bad. You say, that's not actually in the book of Proverbs. Yes, it is. It also says, don't marry a quarrelsome woman. Unhappy, nagging, argumentative. 
He said, you're better off to live your life on a tent on the roof. (laughs) This is in the text. I'm telling you true stuff here. You want to know the truth? Here's the truth. There are young ladies in this room right now. You're not married. And you're going to marry an angry person even though Jesus Christ advises you not to because you think you can fix him. And you're wrong. Only God could fix that. And it takes a miracle. Every young person who isn't married should read the book of Proverbs and ask before every verse, is God telling me about the kind of person I should marry? And you'll get a bunch of advice. By the way, I've had people debate with me over this for a lot of years. I don't care to have any debate. Why don't you just read Proverbs 20 to 23 and see what Jesus' advice is on drinking. See what Jesus' advice is on drinking. Come on, I dare you. I double-dog dare you. (laughs) Read Proverbs 20 to 23 and see what Jesus' advice is on drinking. Say, Pastor McNeil, he doesn't say it as a sin. I'm not asking that. I'm saying, what's his advice? Just read it and say, Jesus, do you have any advice for me on the issue of drinking? Just read it and see if he doesn't. Because following Jesus Christ down the narrow road is, first of all, doing everything he commands, but it's also listening to his advice. This is what it means to follow Jesus Christ on the narrow road. It means that if we sit down with him and his word and he tells us this is a better way to live life, we listen because we're following Jesus Christ down the narrow road. And we're not going to stop. You're not going to stop and I'm not going to stop. Turn to the person next to you and say, we're not going to stop. We're not going to stop. I just saw George and Deb Collins turn to each other and say, we're not going to stop. We can't stop. We're not going to stop because we can't stop. We're not going to stop because we can't stop. If somebody says they know Jesus Christ and they're going down the narrow road and they don't do the commands of Jesus Christ, they're just fooling themselves. And if anyone thinks they can start and then stop and go back out in the world and still get to the destination at the end, we're just fooling ourselves. So all together, we're deciding. We're not going to stop. We're going to do what He says, and we're going to listen to His what? His advice. We're going to listen to the advice too. Why? Because it matters to us. Because He matters to us. That's why. His advice matters because He matters. And so we're going to keep following down the narrow road. 
And if you're in this room and you haven't made that decision to step through the gate, you haven't yet made that two-part decision to put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and to commit to following Him down the narrow road, then you need to do that. You need to do it because it's the only way to life at the end. And it's the best way to live life right now. So here we go. Let's stand together. Let's stand together and let's just sing it together. I have decided to follow Jesus. We're going to sing it together like we mean it. Here we go. I have decided to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Here we go, the world behind me, the cross before me. Here we go, the world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. Father, I pray that you will burn in each and every heart in this room that great desire to please Jesus Christ every day. Father, may every morning and every evening that desire fill our hearts until we are committed to follow Jesus Christ, to do what He asks, and to follow His advice all the way to the end. No turning back. Help us, Father. We need Your help. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.